Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. And how are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing relatively well. It's it's Friday. I'm just back from a Citrix user group with, with CIOs and directors. And uh, while there wasn't enough technology involved in the conversation, it was very interesting to hear uh, some of their strategies and how they're going to move things forward. It was, uh, it, was, it was a good day all in all and only made better by a podcast. And how about yourself, Jerry? Good. Happy it's Friday. Um, you know, being independent, you know, there's never a day off. So still busy and be working this weekend and Still keep chugging along. So without further ado, let's um, introduce our guest today, Thomas Willingham, uh, Microsoft uh, Technical Product Manager for Remote Desktop Services and what can we can and what we can expect in Windows Server 2016. So how are you doing today, Thomas? I'm doing great. Uh, really happy to be here. And I was kind of looking through who you guys have interviewed before and who you've talked to. And I see like Sean and Gunner and I see some really what who I would consider uh, high-level industry people, and the fact that you have asked to talk to me, I, did I make it? Was there a list that I'm now on or something? I, I feel pretty important now. Oh well, it's 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 all down to it's all down to RDS, you know. I mean, it's it's the underpinning of of the VDI technologies out there, and who better to talk to about um, about RDS and Microsoft's 2016 to, to move forward than you know the product manager for for you know the the building block for for the technology. So um, I I uh, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us again. Um, you know, it's 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 great to have you here. Um, you know. So, I mean, from, you know, you, you started your life as an instructor from what I could see on LinkedIn and you moved to consultant. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into IT and how you made your journey all the way up to, uh, you know, pro- technical product manager with Microsoft? Sure, sure. So, actually, in the Marine Corps, uh, I worked on a what was considered a portable computer at the time, and that portable computer was as big as a desk. Uh, we referred to it as the green machine, and that kind of, other than some dabblings when I was a kid, that kind of got me started in the kind of computer area. When I got out of college, I got the opportunity to teach, so I was a certified Novell instructor and a Microsoft certified trainer, and I teach both the certified, or I'm sorry, the Novell classes and the Microsoft classes. I found once I taught for a certain period of time, I would miss getting my hands dirty. Uh, I'd be talking to students, and they'd be talking about these new cool technologies, and I'd really miss getting in there. So I'd flip back to consulting for a while. Once I'd consult for a while, I'd miss getting up and presenting to people and seeing those lights go on in their eyes as they like suddenly got something. So I kind of flipped back and forth for a while between instructing and consulting. Oh, okay, and you know specifically with the instructing and consulting, like what 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 specific technologies were you passionate about back then? Like what were you what were you doing mostly? If you might be asking. Sure. So I did a lot of what was referred to as Hydra at the time, so t- precursor terminal services. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was doing a lot of like Windows Server, a, a lot of client server stuff. The majority of my career has been in the client server kind of networking space. And that's always been an area I've been passionate about. I've always really been impressed by the ability to give users something seamlessly on their desktop that they don't even know is remote. They're just being provided a remote service, and if the network admin, the IT pro is good at what they do, 
the user doesn't know and they don't care. Everything just works seamlessly. And I've always been about ensuring users are able to get the work done that they need to do without a lot of hassle. And that's always been attractive to me. Oh, I completely get that. I completely get that. It's um, yeah, it's uh, the, the whole client server model is something that you know about myself and Jerry and are very passionate about, and I can see why you, you went that direction. All right, so uh, you know, with the, as you were consulting and you know you were flipping back and forth, how how did you um, how did you make the leap to Microsoft? If you mind me asking. Sure, sure. So in about two thousand, a buddy of mine said, hey, we need some courseware developers and we don't have anybody who kind of knows some of the older stuff and has uh, the ability to write a course about upgrading or updating NT4 to 2000. So he's like, can you come aboard and kind of start talking about like 3.5 upgrades to 2000? I'm like, yeah, no, sure. So I started writing some courseware and that kind of hooked me into Microsoft. So from there, um, I did some consulting around Microsoft. I started with them full-time in 2005. Uh, initially, I worked on live meeting. I flipped over to RDS engineering as a content developer in about 2008. I've been really fortunate to be able to stay in the RDS area. And as you mentioned, I'm a technical product manager currently, but like I said, I started as a content developer in engineering. So I've had this really cool experience where initially I started developing the product. So I was working on UI. I was working on um, creating documents and writing content for TechNet to ensure users could get their work done. Some things I'm like personally proud of is I, I got to help with the release of VDI, the first release of VDI for uh, Microsoft for Windows Server 2008 R2. That was our line in the sand. Uh, for 2012, I got to uh, help with the UI on the Remote Desktop Services Manager that enabled users or IT pros from a single console to manage the whole VDI infrastructure. Uh, I felt really proud about being, a being able to work on that product. Uh, I got to work on the alternate platform clients that we released, the iOS, Android, Mac, OS X clients that we released. And then finally, and this I thought was kind of really interesting, was I started working on Azure Remote App in engineering. Just before it was released, I flipped over to product marketing. And after all that time working on it, helping drive the UI, uh, understanding how it worked, then I got to flip over to the product marketing side, and I got to release it. Wow. Okay. That that is some that is some illustrious kind of you know um, uh, uh, career progression, and you know you were also pivotal, or, you know, or exposed to some pivotal moves. I mean, the the VDI introduction, obviously, in two thousand and eight, um, was was a big one, and then the the reengineer, of course, of of how RDS and VDI plays together in in two thousand and twelve was a was a big pivotal move for Microsoft. I mean, the simplification involved in rolling out a farm and or if, you know a VDI environment um, in in twenty twelve. Was was uh, was superb in a sense that you know server manager had a dedicated role for it. Now you could d deploy stuff centrally. So yeah, no, I could see why that was where those were very exciting times as you move forward. Um, okay, well, I mean, look, that's great. Thank you so much for for a little bit of background about you know about where you came from. I mean, well, let's uh, let's hop straight into the question. So I mean, obviously you've 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 
you've worked with RDS for some amount of time. One thing we like to ask our guests who are in this field is, you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that hooks people like us into RDS, do you think? What, why, does, why does somebody end up in RDS and then all of a sudden feels as if this is the field I want to work in going forward, in your opinion? Um, it's, it's a tough that, one, isn't it? Because I mean, it's, 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 it's really a tough one because there's, there's so much to it. Um, I, I think I really like the balancing act of on the IT pro side, they're balancing uh, compliance, corporate compliance, data security, and enabling user productivity. On the other hand, you have users, and they just want to be productive. They just want to get stuff done, get barriers out of my way. I want to work. And when I first saw an older computer running a terminal services session, and for the most part, it was pretty crisp. It was pretty snappy comparatively. And I was just really impressed by that and the ability to – really kind of enable users to get their work done and be productive regardless of where they are. Um, kind of the under, like I think I said when I gave my intro, the underlying kind of thing that I like to work on is enabling users. Um, everybody wants to be able to get stuff done, and I really believe that desktop virtualization is is one of the key uh tools to enable people to do that i i completely get that it's a hard one to answer if 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 you're talking to somebody who's never done rds before or kind of central compute before it when you see it work the first time it's kind of a little mind-bending in a sense that i've got this old or archaic or tiny little machine on my desk that connects into this unknown in the background where all of my other users are and they're all centrally managed and everything is snappy yeah no i i, I completely get that and it's a it's a it's a hard one to vo- uh, verbalize really jerry isn't it because we've asked a few people now and it's um it's a it's a it's a tough nut to crack from an explanation point of view yeah it's, it's like you see you see it happen you're, you're thinking what's going on here that light switch comes on in your head and you're just hooked is the way yeah. I can explain it, and that—that's how most of us are that, that are in this uh, the field today. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, look, today's you know RDS has gone from strength to strength over time. We're now facing, or you know, we're in the middle of a you know a, 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 a tech preview of 2016. So for like you know, with your background and with your love for RDS, what should we really be watching out for in 2016 release, and what what kind of value are we going to see added to further that platform? So for 2016. What you're going to see is we're really moving the platform forward. Uh, we're doing some really good enhancements by adding OpenGL and OpenCL uh, to enable more 3D graphics. To be honest, up to this point, uh, that's an area that Microsoft has not been as strong in. And we're looking to kind of change that. So with OpenGL and OpenCL, you're going to see more applications like Adobe Photoshop being able to be natively run on the platform. And that's just going to be able to extend our reach into the IT environment and enable them to get to do what they want to do. Another kind of cool thing is we're rolling in uh, Windows multipoint services. Uh Multipoint services is uh, kind of a very basic remote desktop services system. 
Uh, we refer to it as a close proximity system, a close proximity desktop virtualization solution, uh, where RDS is global, uh, international, it knows kind of no bounds. Uh, Windows Multipoint, on the other hand, is built for very basic small scale, well, not small scale, but uh, simpler environments. And it was initially uh, targeted at educational environments. So to enable uh, teachers and um, academic environments that may not have a huge background in desktop virtualization to be able to get uh, their students up and running and to be able to do management console type stuff without a lot of training. It, it almost uh, sounds like the, the comparison at Citrix between VDI in a box and, and Zen Desktop there. Um, in, in the past, you know, it, it was separate download, separate PCR to get from multi-port services. So it's good to see that now be included as a role in server 2016. So, yeah, I mean, on the, on the multi-point piece, I mean, are we looking at multi-point as kind of, you know, you're not going to use a profile management solution. These are going to be, you know, independent servers that may be bound to a classroom. Would that, would that be an example of, of a use case where, you know, this, this would be, uh, you know, a, a terminal services in a box environment that would, would, you know, wouldn't have a kind of multi-stretch management platform. Is, is that what we're going for? Well, we're going for that, but let me let let's think about some things here. Let's think about, say, a retail environment or a fast food environment where all those computers in the restaurant. Maybe there's a workflow associated. Uh, you know, the fries have to go down, the burgers have to be cooked. Again, that's a perfect environment for multipoint because again, that's all close proximity. It's easy to manage, so they don't need a huge IT infrastructure to roll that out. Okay, very good. So in that scenario, we'd have like a one multi-point server sitting there for for all of the the point of sale devices. Would that would that be a, a, a good analogy? Well, point of sale devices and maybe like the workflow systems for the fry cooks or the the burger chefs or um, the burger engineers, whatever their titles are currently. I, <laughs> I don't want to marginalize anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So it, okay, it would yeah. be more like more like you know a site specific system. You know, it, it can scale, but it's more for a, a certain purpose. You know, classroom, restaurant, certain location to where you know the full RDS. You're, you're going to look more at a at a broader audience, and you're going to have a more you know a bigger infrastructure for it. Correct. Okay, now I get that. Yeah, I think Jarian's uh, comparison there to VDI in a box would would be would be would the way I'd understand it as well because we had a we saw a lot of kind of satellite VDI in a box implementations out in out in you know smaller branches and educational offices where they'd they'd have uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily all want to run in the data center if they had link issues or anything like that or they 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 couldn't put the dependency on an internet connection whereas uh, you know multipoint could you know sit there in, 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 on site happily plug away doing everything that's required of it and doesn't necessarily need to connect into anything running on other sites and other data centers that um okay yeah no i i i get that i mean so the open open gl implementation you mentioned there that's that's very interesting because i mean obviously 2015 everybody has kind of gone a little nuts on gpu um is 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 um is, is the the open gl uh you know implementations technology is going to be rds specific for now Yes, correct. Oh, okay, very good. And in that scenario, it's not. It's uh, you're going to be provisioning on bare metal, or is there going to be a is there going to be a Hyper V integration here that that'll allow uh, potentially a GPU pass through? Uh, I believe there's going to be Hyper V integration with that. 
Oh, okay, very good. And it, would that be something like the, 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 the you know the the remote effects slash Callista technology that we saw previously? Correct. Oh, okay, very good. Okay, and so. enabling the different codecs and yes. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, that would well, it'd be great to see that implemented or implemented at the operating system layer now. I mean, because obviously other other vendors and and other technology groups could also you know piggyback off the back of that. You know, for any anybody who who does build on top of um, build on top of uh, of RDS. You know, so that, that that's good to hear. I mean, the the, the whole NVIDIA vGPU stuff and you know the GPU sharing is 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 that it doesn't sound like this is going to be in 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 the our know, 2016 roadmap. But is that something that you guys are thinking about at the moment? So, here's remember I told you I might sidestep some answers. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's how I'm going to sidestep this. And initially, I did not like this answer. So the answer I'm going to give you is uh, we're that's an area of investigation, and we're really taking a look at that. And I think previously talking about an area of investigation was kind of a cop out, but with Microsoft as of recent. I think you've really noticed that with our new like cloud services and uh, how we're user voice, our feedback forums, we're really taking user feedback seriously. Uh, for example, for Azure Remote App, we have a feedback forum page. And what people do is from the service, they can link to the page and they can add like information on there. They can add suggestions. They can vote up suggestions. And from that page, the engineering group looks at that page and says, hey, we see these things that are being voted up. Let's take a look at them and really see how we can implement them. So when I'm saying, hey, area of investigation, that actually means something now. Oh no, I, so, I, I I get that. I, I think you know the, the the area of investigation is 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 enough of an answer, really, because I mean it it means if you guys are looking at it, it means that you you know you you feel as if it justifies being looked at in the first place. And I suppose that's all that that we wanted to we wanted to ask. We're not looking for dates. We're not looking for timelines. We're not looking for commitments. No, even even just to hear that you are you are thinking or, or looking at it is is fantastic news. If I'm brutally honest, so um, I don't consider that a cop out at all. No, neither <laughs> do I. I, I. I think it's a fair answer, and, and it goes along with the the culture change that we've seen at Microsoft and other areas. So it's definitely good that you guys are investigating that and potentially in the future we could see that in the product. So that's good news. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if we were to look at the, if we look to, one thing I did notice on the, uh, the announcement list was um, RDS in the cloud slash, you know, personal session desktops. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> sure. I'd love to. One thing to note though, is that's part of a bigger workload. Uh, I know that previously that announcement was kind of focused on on its own, and that's really not kind of an on its own thing. Uh, it's part of a bigger workload, and the bigger workload is optimizing RDS for the cloud. Personal session-based desktops is just one component of that. We also um, are looking for uh, support for vGPU on server VMs. Uh, we're looking for gateway WebSocket connections. Uh, high availability connection broker with shared SQL. Uh, previously, when you wanted high availability with connection broker, uh, each connection broker needed its own SQL server. And as you spun that up in the cloud, so for basically it doubled your cost. So every for every connection broker that you spun up, you had to spin up an SQL server, again, effectively doubling your cost. We've enabled uh, shared SQL 
servers and Azure SQL databases to now be implemented using high availability. And then we're also working on some scale improvements. So you see it, it's that's kind of a bigger part of a bigger motion for, like I said, to optimize RDS for the cloud and prepare and, and get that preparation and groundwork done. Well, that's 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 really great to hear. I mean, one of one of my um, one of my early complaints about about RDS and and the, the, the you know the the architecture and the deployment mechanism for it, right? you know, a lot of the, a lot a lot of the a lot of the concerns around that were allayed with 2012 because it was made so simple. But I mean, obviously, the scalability and the the you know really making it HA were, were a challenge. So I mean, the 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 approach you're taking in that regard was you know improving your infrastructure and your architecture to make it more scalable while also reducing the you know the back end infrastructure is fantastic to hear and um you know it, it's another bugbear that'll be satisfied by this by the sense of it so um you know there was always a there was always a you know rds is rds is you know perfectly good for most people but at a certain scale you should probably be looking at something else it sounds like this stuff may actually assist with that decision or at least you know allay that initial um initial piece as we go forward so i mean the rds in the cloud personal session desktops i mean what we're talking about here is we're talking about rds hosts but with a one-to-one connectivity point would that be true yes that's correct that's correct okay so so part of the um issue is when vdi initially came out the vdi solution is pretty entwined with hyper-v uh, if you look at the individual components, you have the connection broker, you have the remote desktop virtualization host, and you have Hyper-V. Uh, the remote desktop virtualization host sits on top of the Hyper-V server and kind of integrates with that Hyper-V server to uh, wake the desktop clients up, to uh, integrate a remote session with the desktop client, and to kind of work as a connection broker in between the connection broker and Hyper-V. If so, that makes sense. Absolutely. So that's doing your provisioning, it's doing your power management, it's doing you know all the tasks that a broker may need to hand off to the hypervisor. Correct. Well, if you step back for a minute and think about it, there's no Hyper-V that's available in the cloud. And that's how we've architected our solution. We've architected our solution to integrate with Hyper-V client side. So we wanted to start enabling and start optimizing for the cloud but our client's architecture is the way it is right now, and uh, we're evaluating, again, another area of investigation. But to kind of start getting our feet in the cloud and start really working and getting RDS in the cloud, because, again, we hear customers, we know that um, getting desktops in the cloud is one of the workloads they want to evaluate and want to look at. So we decided to implement this personal session-based desktops. Yeah so, yeah, so while you're, you know, you integrate with Hyper-V today and have that requirement, you're looking at breaking that requirement to, to hit more markets and be cloud-ready and, and et cetera. So that, that, that's a good direction also you guys are taking with that. Oh, yeah, I could. You know, Sorry. Jerry, Jerry, oh, no worries. I was going to say, you know, we, we try to do good directions. I mean, that, that's <laughs> honestly our focus. <laughs> And um, hopefully most of the time we're good with that. You know, I'll admit every once in a while we, we don't hit the good focus, but good focus is our target. 
Understood completely. I mean, obviously, the the, the personal session desktops kind of mirrors the the, the, the licensing requirements that that current desktop as a service solution providers are using to uh, to sidestep that. I'm going to put a licensing question to you, and I know it's not your it's not your your direct focus, but I mean, the, this that that <laughs> licensing model restricting the the Windows desktop from you know a, a DAS play or, or a Cloud play is um is quite detrimental. So I mean, have you any thoughts on on you know, personally or or otherwise on you know, if that is ever going to be relaxed, or is this just a way that we're going to have to play for the time being? Um, again, I'll go back to the area of investigation answer. Uh, <laughs> Understood. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. No problem at all. No, it's yeah, it's just it, you know, it was it was quite a big bugbear at that and um, that and you know, software assurance slash you know the the the, the you know the, the per device licensing. But I mean, you know, Microsoft has changed that recently in the sense that you know you can go per user on the on the VDA licensing now. So you know that that was the So I just wondered if anything else was in the pipeline. But I accept your area of investigation <laughs> point, uh, and uh, we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to the next question. If that's okay. Yeah. So. so- uh, what about on, yeah image management with RDSH? So you guys have had it with, with VDI, the integration with Hyper-V, but nothing really for the actual RDSH servers. Um, you know, having to look at third-party solutions for that, is, is that another area of investigation, something you guys are talking about? Um, because I think that's a much-needed um, feature in, inside of RDS. I totally agree. Image management, once you start creating your gold images, uh, it's really easy for those images to spiral under control or out of control. So we completely understand that image management is important. And with this, I'd like to mention that Microsoft has always been about enabling partner infrastructure. Uh, creating that great foundation that partners can build on top of, and we're really fortunate that we have great partners. In the image management area, one of our great partners is Unidesk. So we've partnered with Unidesk, and we've started rolling out some solutions. We've started rolling out some implementations um, and using and leveraging kind of the Unidesk solution. That has covered our image management issue. And really kind of deals with the image management and addresses the image management scalability uh, that you're addressing right now. Yeah, and I, I can agree with that because I've, I've been uh, testing out Unidesk, you know, kind of saw the, um, the integration they're doing on, on Microsoft and with Hyper-V and stuff. So that, that's good to see you guys working together. Um, and I know Unidesk is doing some more things in their upcoming architecture as well. So um, kind of makes you wonder where that kind of partnership might end up. Possibly, but uh, I won't come out and say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great to hear. And you know, I, I understand. You know, Microsoft can't be all things to all people. You know, I mean, even even Microsoft has f- finite resource in the sense that you know, if image management is one of the things that needs to go out to the partners, then you know, so be it. Um, the, you know, I, I and as as I mentioned before, I mean, many many partners, VMware, Citrix, uh, uh, Dell, Workspace. You know, the the or Dellwise, if it works, they all have solutions for this, and you know, there's some. Some will use my, my Sysprep as to, as to Microsoft's recommendations. Some will not. So, um, yeah, the, it's uh, it's it's curious to, to to hear that you're you know you're, you're going with um with partnership play, and why shouldn't you? Unidesk is a fantastic product. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, we really need to get Ron on to talk about Unidesk, but uh, I I I, dig- I digress entirely. <laughs> no, I totally agree with getting Ron on. Ron is awesome, and Ron is kind of the guru of all things Unidesk and layering technologies. 
Oh yes, um, definitely. We we have Ron lined up, um, but that's going to be around a certain time frame. So um, Ron definitely will be on at some point. Um, we just can't talk about the circumstances of when. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. Um, really quick, funny story. Uh, Ron and I are doing a uh, webinar together, and I'm using the picture that I have uh, for Skype, uh, the cowboy hat picture. And uh, Ron's, uh, I don't even remember how Ron was introducing me or talking about me, and my picture was on a slide. And <laughs> apparently somebody IM'd him, and they were like, Ron, I didn't even recognize you with the hat. So apparently <laughs> there are some people out there who think Ron and I are twins or you know look a lot alike, and that's always just made me chuckle. Very good. I, I I personally don't see it, but that that being said, I, I, I've never met you and I've never met you in real life, so I'm just going to have to take your word for it. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, so yeah, we'll 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 definitely get talking to UniDesk, um, and we'll yeah we'll go from there. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's great to hear. You know, you 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 guys are are thinking about it, and you have you have a partner in that regard, so that that's cool. So um, one thing that we that did come out of. Uh, you know, RDS, but you know, maybe uh, it's more along the phone line. And with Windows 10, or sorry, you know, the, the the Windows 10 for phone operating system coming shortly. One thing that you know I've spotted in there uh, is Windows Continuum, and I'm sure you probably get this question all the time. But I mean, is Windows, you know, Windows Continuum is obviously the ability to take your Windows phone and potentially dock it, and you know, you have a desktop experience on the phone. Like, do you see synergies between that kind of uh, technology and where RDS is going? Or or can you give us uh, any insights into the the real use case for Windows Continuum? Sure. Well, again, it's about keeping your users productive on the devices they want to be productive on and the devices they love. Um, In the enterprise mobility space which Microsoft has desktop vert included in that space. We just kind of extend that space. Um, desktop vert really enables that mo- mobile product- productivity, like I said earlier, with while still enabling the IT pros to have centralized management and keep like corporate data compliance. So even though users are on their phone working all the data is still centrally located and secure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember in like the mid 2005 or so area, it seemed like every other week somebody had lost their laptop. Uh, and the next thing you knew, there were like 3 million social security numbers released in the wild. Now, why somebody had 3 million social security numbers on their laptop and why people were leaving laptops around left and right at the airport or coffee shop, I have no idea. (laughs) But with this whole desktop vert solution, it really overcomes that. And even if a device is lost or compromised, the data is still secure because there's no data on the device itself. And Continuum kind of dovetails into all that where it really extends – um, the solution and enables access to using RDS, a full desktop, full application suite, uh, and really enables that mo- mobile productivity. 
Okay, no, I, I get that. I mean, look, there's there's been so many talks of the Nirvana device, you know, this one device that will have everything on it and allow you to dock and move forward. And, you know, it, it's been thrown around as, as nearly as long as, 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 as some of the topics we've covered already. Um, you know, I, I, I absolutely love to think of a device that I could bring with me, dock, use as a desktop, take it back, move along. So long as, so long as the battery life can, can keep up with, with that kind of use case, I, I, I welcome that entirely. Um, well, I think, you know, with Microsoft kind of going to that, that, that same kind of OS across devices now, you know, kind of helps enable that on the Microsoft side. You know, you know any thoughts on, thoughts on that? Well, that, that's really – part of that is really to enable our developers to, to dev once and have access to a variety of platforms running Windows and just to really extend the reach that our devs have. Uh, so now it shouldn't be about the platform so much. It should just be about, hey, what do users need to be productive? And I think you keep hearing me. I, I apologize if that's like my mantra. Um, but enabling users to be productive, again, like we've said, it's not about the form factor. It's not about the device. It's about accessing uh, desktops. It's about accessing applications that users need to access on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, it shouldn't matter the form factor. I don't I don't think uh, uh, that, that your mantra should be apologized for at all. I mean, this is why we all work in EUC, isn't it? We all work in EUC because we want to enable the users. We want to enable them for, for the latest technologies. And, uh, you know, somebody in your role with a mantra like that is exactly what you need. Exactly. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it is great to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wander slightly off topic here just for a second. Um, and it's something that actually popped up in, in, a, in a customer meeting today with us. I mean, obviously, to, to date, Windows, uh, you know, desktop and Windows uh, Server have always kind of gone hand in hand. You know, Windows 2000 all the way upwards, XP in 2003, 2008 in Vista, 2008 or two, and, and Windows 7. Obviously, with Windows 10's release, you know, it was well in advance of the server operating system um, release. And I was just wondering, I mean, are we going to see uh, with this new release schedule, uh, you know, disparity between the desktop and server OSs now as we go forward? Because that may, that may actually detrimentally affect RDS in, in some regard if, if you're trying to mimic what, what's going on the desktop in a, in a terminal services world, if that's fair. So for Windows 10 and Windows Server 2016, um, the Windows client had a pretty aggressive schedule. Uh, with when they were trying to release and, and what kind of cadence they wanted. Windows Server 2016 had a pretty aggressive cadence, but there's a lot of stuff they're trying to do. And there's a lot of like underlying architectural stuff that, that needs to be jiggered to make that happen. So it just the they just didn't line up this time. Uh, I, I think going forward, they'd like to see it kind of, well, with the whole... Um, Continual updates, that's going to be less of an issue moving forward. But there was just so much that they wanted to do to Windows Server that the uh, release just got pushed back. Oh, I understand. No, I just wanted to ensure. Like, uh, is, is it your intention, though, to, to try to marry the, the, the feature sets between the two of them as closely as possible going forward? Or will there, will there be a certain amount of a, of a gap that will just need to be accepted? Um, no, the, the idea is to have as common an operating system between the two as possible. 
but obviously between client and server, there there will be gaps. But the, the idea is uh, more of a single type system. Understood. I mean, look, I mean, ultimately, if RDS was to trail behind Windows 10 slightly, that's probably beneficial for the enterprise because, I mean, for, for a lot of these guys, they they would prefer to, um, to to stay slightly abreast of the, uh, not bleeding edge, but cutting edge, so to speak. So, yeah, no, I, I, I understand that approach. And as you mentioned already, the, the more aggressive change and release cycles that are happening in Microsoft at the moment will, will allow for features from Windows 10, I suppose, to trickle into Server 2016 when they've been properly scalability tested and integrated into a server operating system because you know servers have to be up all the time that's what they do you know so um no i I absolutely get that so i I got an off-topic question and this may be kind of an off-the-wall question um so servers 2016 um also has a feature with nano services um any thoughts on being able to use some of the rds infrastructure pieces on nano server like the the broker the gateway the web access um okay you kind of got me there because i'll be honest i don't know much about nano server okay. that makes service yay yeah yeah so so yeah so nano server is kind of that the the stripped down lighter version you know smaller than core um feature inside of, of server 2016 you know right now they're saying hyper v um some scale out file services clustering and some other other roles as well um, I, I know some pushback from from customers, you know, over the years with uh, the the gateway component has been, you know, a Windows box in, in the DMZ. But I could see that as a perfect use case um, for the the gateway server in the DMZ. So there there's that, but then on top of that, there's the cloud component. So not to um, like deny the importance of the nano server, but when you start looking at cloud components and then cloud uh, integration with on-premise, those types of systems are not going to be as important in certain hybrid models. So when you have your on-premises infrastructure, uh, you lever- start leveraging the cloud, you start connecting those components to the VPN, uh, those types of components aren't going to become as important because the connectivity is going to be through your on-premises structure and the cloud. Oh, I, I, I agreed because you're going to offload some of those stuff to, to being hosted and, and going to the cloud and coming up with that VPN tunnel. Um, I was more thinking of kind of for those that are not embracing that yet type of thing. Sure. And, and to be honest, the, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm in product marketing at this point, but I do understand the cloud isn't for everybody at this time. Interesting you should say that. And it, there's obviously a very important legal battle going on in Microsoft with, with, the, uh, with the U.S. government in regards to, um, to data protection, particularly around Office 365 services in Dublin. Um, a lot of companies, and I mean a lot of companies, are watching that and watching Microsoft stand up for themselves and saying, no, Mr. Government, you cannot reach into non-American data centers for, for data that you may require. And to be honest, I think a lot of customers are pinning 
their decision to move to cloud on that, particularly from a European point of view. It may not be as uh, I mean, what, what would the Patriot Act and the Patriot Act in, in America? You know, you guys have uh, you know you, you've made peace with that, and that's the situation that you're in. But for those of us outside of that um, outside of that uh, you know jurisdiction, a lot of us are watching what happens with this law- lawsuit uh, or or uh, you know um, with the with this legal action to, to, to uh, and you know hoping and pushing and encouraging Microsoft to stand ground and and not give in on this because it'll mean that cloud will be a much safer place for the rest of us uh, outside of that jurisdiction if that's fair so that's just that's just a, a, an off the cuff comment but anyway congratulations and, and best of luck to Microsoft on that on that on that uh, that lawsuit I really hope they do pull it off because um they are they are standing up for the little guy which is great Anywho, um, so uh, on, a, on a personal note, uh, you know, away from Microsoft, um, this is one thing we love to ask our listeners because, you know, while we, we all love our day jobs, we also love technology. I mean, is there anything out in the market away from Microsoft or away from RDS that, you, that you're keenly watching or you're, you're very interested or excited in? Um, honestly, there's a ton of tech out there. There's a ton of tech out there that excites me. But to be honest, my spouse is pregnant, so um, I haven't had a lot of time, a lot of spare time to pick my head up and really look around as of late because most of my time as of late is dedicated to ensuring that she's comfortable and she gets what she needs. <laughs> oh, we've both been there. Yeah. We understand. My <laughs> oh God, yeah. There is nothing worse than than, than pregnancy brain and 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 uh, you know uh, early daddy brain. So anyway, look, but uh, I, I get that, and I, I wasn't aware. So uh, congratulations to you guys. I hope everything goes swimmingly. Yes, congratulations. You. Is, is this your your first child? This is our fourth and fifth. Oh wins. wow! Twins. Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, we were like, hey, wouldn't one more be neat? And you know how much control you have over stuff like that. And surprise, we have twins coming. Wow. Okay. Well, that is that that is absolutely super. I am delighted for you. Yes. That was my, my <laughs> wife getting up Thank and having a third because we, we both have history of twins in our family. And she goes, watch, us on the third time, it'll be twins. So um, we, we stopped at two. And I have a cold worker, old coworker of mine that's a friend. And on their second try, they had twins. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a big step there. Um, congratulations, though. That, that, that's fantastic news. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited and terrified simultaneously. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, they say there was a, there's a joke over in Ireland. They say, you know, what is the third baby like? And they, you know, myself, my wife, <laughs> I've been talking about this saying quite a bit. And you know, it, it's somebody describes it as having a third child is like being is like drowning at sea. And somebody hands you a third baby. <laughs> so <laughs> I can only imagine what, what what twins will be like. But I mean, given given how successful and, and you know, given um, given the support of Microsoft, I'm sure you guys will absolutely fly it. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, okay. Well, a, um, real quick though, as a I'm one of five, so I have four siblings. So it'll d- definitely be fun. And as the older ones get older, they can can definitely help out with with the younger ones. So I, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, okay. and th- that's how it went kind of in my family. So our older ones are a bit older. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. have so you have lots of help then. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, our our current are twenty sixteen and fourteen. Wow. Okay. So you've got babysitters <laughs> on top, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was kind of we were too because my oldest sister is much older than the rest of us, and she was kind of in that same situation. So. 
Um, that's definitely going to help you guys out a lot. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, frontline chatter has turned turn into baby chatter again. This seems to happen quite a lot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, well, look, um, Thomas, this this has been really uh, insightful and really fascinating to get you on. Uh, thank you again for, for agreeing to uh, to talk to us. Um, before we wrap down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, uh, Control Up, Liquidware Labs, and FS Logics for being awesome and sponsoring us and allowing us to do what we do. Um, so I'm going to hand back to Jerry. Again, thank you, Thomas. Yes, thank you, Thomas, and thank you, Andrew. Um, I'm glad everyone was uh, able to listen to this uh, Frontline Chatter podcast today. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. 